I said it before the season, and I'm happy to say it again here at midseason. The New Orleans Saints should not trade away Jameis Winston. We got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, breaking news, and much more, you can head over and become a Locked on Saints insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the Media Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, I'm going to give you something that concerns me about the New Orleans Saints Week 8 win against the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm going to give you something that I love about the New Orleans Saints Week 8 win against the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to make this a second Monday episode every week. I'm going to give you something that I love, something to be concerned about. Then we can track it throughout the week and take a look at how things change on a week-to-week basis. I'm looking for a reason to give you two episodes on Monday. Here we are. Uh, But I want to start off always with the biggest story going on around the New Orleans Saints. And so I want to start off with Jameis Winston. Now, the NFL trade deadline is uh, dropping this episode Monday evening, so I'm going to say tomorrow, but I mean Tuesday, uh, Halloween day. Happy Halloween, everybody, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that means the rumors are all about. The photoshops are all over Twitter. The engagement is up on all of the aggregate accounts and weird accounts and things like that. And one of the ones that you have most assuredly seen if you were on social media, and if you're not on social media, Good for you, uh, because you didn't have to go through this, which is a Photoshop of a Jameis Winston in a Minnesota Vikings jersey, kind of making its making its circles around. Now we saw the same thing before the season with the New York Jets, um, you know, and, and 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 all that. And and I'm here to say that the New Orleans Saints shouldn't trade Jameis Winston. Now, will they trade Jameis Winston? Will they not trade Jameis Winston? We know it's the NFL, and we never say never when it comes to covering the NFL. But considering that uh, Derek Carr has already dealt with a shoulder injury that at one point looked like he took a hit to the chest as well as other regions. Um, you know, he's already dealt with some stuff since he's been here in New Orleans. He's a tough guy. He's only missed two games in his entire career due to injury. Even with that AC joint sprain, he still played the very next week. Should he have, should he not have, of course, is the conversation there, but didn't miss a game. But even with that being the case, it's still his 10th year in the NFL. And you want to be ready just in case, just in case, right? You've also got him on a four-year deal. So if you have the option to keep him around or keep him off the field for a week to deal with an injury rather than some injury that has the opportunity to get much worse and maybe cost you a larger chunk of that time, you're probably going to make that decision as an NFL team. And so having somebody that has not only played in your system before, but won in your system before is helpful. Now, Jameis Winston saw his most successful year as a New Orleans Saints quarterback under the first seven games that he played with 
Sean Payton calling the plays last year. Things didn't go as well, but also dealt with broken backs and things like that that he had going on and more that weren't really disclosed until much later uh, down the road. And so we've seen that, but we've also watched the New Orleans Saints say, hey, he's not really necessarily the starter that they wanted to go with. I think their actions speak louder than any words when it comes to that. They pursued Deshaun Watson, who had active criminal investigations against him at the time. They went and got uh, Derek Carr if they weren't going to sign Derek Carr. Jimmy Garoppolo was their guy. Um, it's it's pretty much clear as day. They chose effectively chose Andy Dalton over him, though injury, not injury, that whole thing. Uh, but even with all that in mind, it's one thing to go out there and pursue a new starter. It's another thing to trade away your best depth asset, right? Because the most important position on the field is your quarterback. And a lot of times, the most popular player on a team could sometimes be the backup quarterback because of the what might have been or what would be, you know, all those types of things. Um, if the Saints are going to be in a situation where they need to figure out what's going on behind Derek Carr, you might as well figure it out with somebody that you already know, somebody that you know can run your system, that knows your system, that's been in your system for years, rather than turning things over to a rookie like Jake Hayner or potentially having to go out there and find another free agent, which isn't going to really get you anywhere. You know, you're seeing a lot of teams right now with, you know, the, the, the Chicago Bears kind of going to their undrafted free agent rookie uh, quarterback and Tyson Bajant, who the Saints will see next week instead of Justin Fields. That has been announced by Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus. You're seeing the Minnesota Vikings right now having to turn to rookie Jaron Hall. Will they pursue another quarterback? Will they not pursue another quarterback? And then because of that, the Jameis Winston thing, you don't want to be in that same situation, right? Imagine, first of all, trading Jameis Winston away only to play him, play against him in two weeks. And then imagine trading Jameis Winston away only to end up needing him before the end of the season. That would be terrible luck. Terrible luck. Now, hopefully you end up not needing to turn to Jameis because you have a healthy and productive Derek Carr. Derek Carr just played his best game as a New Orleans Saint. Can he continue that moving forward? But you want to have yourself safeguarded. And the New Orleans Saints are not so much in the need of draft picks as they're not going to have a lot of room for rookie players to make rosters next year anyway, and are in line for probably three compensatory picks this offseason, there's a lot of opportunity for them to draft well coming up into this next year's draft. So instead of trading Jameis Winston away, which seems unlikely, again, we never say never in the NFL, but seems very unlikely, you let him play out his contract as a New Orleans Saint. He should get a contract somewhere else next year. Get a compensatory pick for him if he gets that starting opportunity somewhere else or if he gets another opportunity somewhere else. And you probably either break even or you end up with a better pick than what you would have gotten via trade, which usually at this time of the season, you're trading away players for future assets. <sighs> I tried to hold that back for too long. You're trading players away for future assets or you're trading them away for like very, very late day three picks. What Jameis Winston could potentially be for you as an insurance policy is way, way, way more important than what a sixth or fifth round pick could potentially turn into for you. Now, maybe a, maybe a quarterback yields more than that. Teams would be desperate at this point. We'll see. But just doesn't seem likely. We'll never say never, but doesn't seem likely. Um, as for the trade deadline, I don't really expect the New Orleans Saints to have much action before the deadline passes. This isn't a team that's really dealt with a lot of injuries 
at least not major injuries so far this season. Um, this is a team that kind of has its roster. And this is an organization that is oftentimes very happy with what's in the building, to borrow a phrase that we used to hear from Sean Payton all the time. So maybe we don't see the Saints be very active at the trade deadline this time. Maybe they make a lesser, not lesser, but maybe they make a, a smaller move to bring in some depth on the offensive line or something like that. But outside of that, I expect it to be pretty quiet on airline drive on Tuesday. Of course, now that I've said that, let's see what happens. Coming up next, what did I love looking at week eight for the New Orleans Saints and their win against the Indianapolis Colts? We're going back to the offense, but we're looking specifically at what the New Orleans Saints did really, really well from the sideline. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our friends over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you the players that are going to be a guaranteed fit for your roster. Some of the best fantasy football advice you're going to get each and every week all season long. So whether you're scouring that free agency pool or you're getting ready for your daily draft, we're going to get you all hooked up here. So let's take a look at who Vinny has selected as this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week. Let's go with a player that you guys know that I'm high on when it comes to even within the division. That's Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard. Even with Miles Sanders available last week against the Houston Texans, he got the lead duties in week eight, and we should expect to see that going again into week nine. Should find more running room against the Colts this week. We saw the New Orleans Saints definitely do that, breaking down that front over there. The Panthers' power running style has yielded much better results here as of late, but Hubbard can uh, have a major impact in the passing game and delivers an all-around fantasy player as well. So you definitely want to check out Chuba Hubbard in your lineups this week. Vinny Iyer of Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy football championship and eBay Motors knows that a championship team is all about each player being the perfect fit. And the same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guarantee fit, it's guaranteed to fit the first time, every time, or your money back. And at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And I know for sure, I know it from experience. I've used eBay Motors before, saved over 80 bucks by replacing filters on my own, which took me like five minutes to do. So keep your ride or die alive by visiting ebaymotors.com. eBay guarantee fit available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So what did I love about the New Orleans Saints win in, the, in, in Indianapolis? Outside of Indianapolis as a city. I love the city of Indianapolis. But what did I love about the game beyond just the win? And it's one specific element that I love, especially going back and reviewing the game film, uh, the, the coaches tape, the all 22, however it is that you want to look at it, uh, or whatever it is that you want to call it. I love the way that the New Orleans Saints schemed their receivers open. And you don't have to go very far into the game to find that, right? You could see, and, and Michael Thomas kind of talked about this a little bit too, to where they understood and kind of knew the way that the Indianapolis Colts defensive backs were going to try to guard them downfield. They wanted to stay over the top. They wanted to take away those go routes. And so because of that, they tended to play over that outside shoulder. And so that gave the, um, the, the Saints the, the sort of 
ability to be able to lure them that way and then cut to those in-breaking routes and stuff like that. And so we saw the Saints be very successful in attacking the middle of the field. So you could see them set up early with the first pass that was thrown in the game, left side of the field. Derek Carr takes a quick drop back, immediately knows where he's going with the football, back shoulder pass to Michael Thomas, fantastic. And, and I didn't give Derek Carr enough credit in, in the postcast because I was so, there were so many things going on. You can see I'm, I'm, I'm safe, I'm here, I'm back in New Orleans. If you watched or listened to um, the, the postgame podcast, you heard all the loud sounds in the background and me joking around about being hood ready and all those other things. I'm fine, everything's good. Uh, but you know, when, when, what, what I didn't do was, was talk enough about how Derek Carr's, what Derek Carr's game was. And it was, he was his best game as a New Orleans Saint, undoubtedly. Right. And, and imagine that the New Orleans Saints offense plays their best game, 511 yards of total offense in a day where they run the ball extremely well. And Derek Carr plays his best game as a Saint makes perfect sense. But so you open up the game with that back shoulder throw, which is really the first time that we've kind of seen that in this New Orleans Saints offense. And we know that that's fantastic for Michael Thomas. He's very used to that, going back to the days of Drew Brees, all those things. So it was great to see that. But then you kind of come out of that. And later on um, in the in the next drive, they set up after they missed the deep shot to, to Chris Olave, you get a 31-yard pass to Michael Thomas. How did they get that 31-yard pass. Well, they schemed it up. They ended up opening Michael Thomas up with Juwan Johnson's route first. So what you saw was uh, the three pass catchers line up in sort of that trips bunch formation where they kind of make that triangle formation. Well, one of them is Juwan Johnson. And as one of those players runs kind of this quick in route or this quick kind of comeback or hitch, staying pretty close to the line of scrimmage, you see a double post from Juwan Johnson and from uh, Michael Thomas. You could argue that it was an over by Juwan Johnson and an opposed by Michael Thomas, but you get the idea. No matter what, it's an in-breaking route attacking deep down the middle of the field. So when Juwan Johnson took his lower trajectory, right, angled a little bit more towards the sideline, it pulled the over-the-top safety down to Juwan Johnson. When that happened, Michael Thomas, who's coming from further outside to the sideline, runs to the middle of the field and it's wide open because that safety's collapsed on Juwan Johnson. It's little things like that that we haven't seen from the New Orleans Saints so far this season. The, the back shoulder throw sets up this idea that, okay, well, they're going to be a perimeter, this, that, and the other. They go deep to Michael, Th I mean, sorry, my apologies, to uh, Chris Olave on the uh, outside perimeter as well, outside the numbers between the sideline, whoever. And then immediately right after that, they attack the middle of the field, but they attack the middle of the field by opening up the middle of the field. You look at the big diving catch that uh, Rashid Shaheed made, you know, he was was pushing upfield. And this is a thing that we've talked about over and over and over again when it comes to Rashid Shaheed. You have to respect his gangsta. Like you have to. And you have to respect the nine, the, the, the deep route. You have to. And so because of that, what you see is that those defensive backs that are playing the top shoulders or the up shoulders, they're trying to take away that top of the route. And so when you cut inside, you're immediately sort of naturally creating separation with those DBs. And so you saw, you've seen Rashid Shaheed do it. You saw Michael Thomas do it. You saw Michael Thomas be aided by by pulling the safety out with Juwan Johnson. Want to know what Juwan Johnson was going to bring you in this game? It's things like that. So what I really loved seeing was the Saints have a scheme ready to scheme their receivers open to where everyone executes. And because of that, a player is open. And remember, in the NFL, when we talk about a player being open, we're talking about one yard of separation. You got a lot more than that on that big 31-yard gain or whatever it was by Michael Thomas, but that is the idea. It's not just about the individual route runner running the route perfectly. It's great to run the route perfectly. You want 
to run the route perfectly. Running the route perfectly executes the scheme perfectly. The two go hand in hand, but it's not all on the individual effort of the receiver. It's on what the other players are doing too. So if I can fool you into coming to guard me and I pull you away from a field of responsibility that he is going to going to attack, I did my job. He reaps the benefits because he gets the receiving yardage and stuff like that. But that's the way that football works. And that's the whole thing about like kind of the selfless aspect of football is that sometimes you have to run your route perfectly, not to be the targeted passer, not to be the targeted receiver, but to open up the field for the targeted receiver. And so it becomes a share in that way. And I think that we saw the Saints find their way back to that in a way that was really, really unique and something that really should give you some hope for what this New Orleans Saints team can be moving forward as long as they can remain consistent. And I'm going to carry this caveat with me all week, probably up until the bye week. And I'm not going to apologize for it because I think it's the same way that you feel too. All of this stuff is really cool to see, but are you going to see it against the Bears? Are you going to see it against the Vikings? Those are all valid questions to ask. But I will say, Dennis Allen is right. This New Orleans Saints offense has moved the ball. The big thing was, can they score when they got into the red zone? And that's where you saw the scheme come in handy again as well. You look at uh, the option route to Alvin Kamara. They had to vacate some bodies from the middle of the field in order to do that. They did that by keeping people outside on the perimeter, but then trailing players through to be able to open up that spot. Alvin Kamara executing the scheme perfectly, reading the body language of the linebacker who had the outside leverage. So he cuts back inside. It's a Texas route now, catches the pass. And then Alvin Kamara does most of the rest. I mean, he got some blocks. Lynn Bowden Jr. was outstanding in this game. There was a real, there was a legitimate Bowden watch going on up in the up in the press box uh, because of his play during that game. And because we, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, okay. Are they going to break the tendencies? Are they going to break the tendencies? Are they going to break the tendencies? So you're watching out for those things too. But Lynn Bowden was outstanding throughout this game in selfless football. Same thing that we were just talking about with that Juwan Johnson route opening up the Michael Thomas route that came up over the top. So this is what you're hoping to see moving forward. And this is what I loved from week eight. This wasn't just about some individual player having a phenomenal game like Taysom Hill against the Seahawks last year, or Alvin Kamara against the Las Vegas Raiders last year. This was a team offense or an offensive unit that was schemed properly, whose play calls made sense for the situations, whose execution worked, and who were able to get the connections that they needed without as many, some, but without as many of the miscommunications as we've seen. And that is a thing that that is a trend that should continue to get better moving forward. We'll see if they can continue that going up against the Chicago Bears. But that's what I loved about week eight. Next, what concerned me about week eight actually has nothing to do with the offense. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash is the one and only food delivery service that I use, the one that I love, and the one that is near and dear to my heart. One of the reasons why is because I love their selection of local eateries, local restaurants here in New Orleans. When you live in a city that is as cultured as a place like New Orleans, that has incredible food like a place here like New Orleans, you want to shop and support the local spots. One of the reasons why I love DoorDash because they always give me that option, especially for spots like Weedat's Chicken and Fish, for instance, the fried catfish, uh, uh, 
hits every single time. Might order it tonight. Finna order it right now. Go ahead and get your order in as well. Let me help you out. I'm gonna get you 50% off up to a $10 value for your first order over at DoorDash of $15 or more. All you have to do is download the DoorDash app and use the promo code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. Again, that's 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order at DoorDash of $15 or more by downloading the DoorDash app and entering the promo code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with something that concerns me from week eight. Now, I want to be really clear. This isn't doom and, doom and gloom concern. This isn't dire concern or anything like that. Just something I saw in week eight that is the opposite of something that I loved that concerned me a little bit. Appreciate all of you, as always, make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Uh, let me know what you think about this format. If you like it, if you don't like it, everything, because I'd like to keep doing this on Monday. Seems like a, a, a nice, kind of way to digest the game on a Monday evening following uh, following the game. All right, so what is something that concerned me about the New Orleans Saints? Well, interestingly enough, for the first time this season, it had nothing to do with the offense. Were the things that were concerning or that didn't necessarily work out on the offense? Yeah, I think there's still some, you know, offensive lines dealing with some shuffling and all these other things. Like, you get that. But for me, it was some stuff over in the defensive line that concerned me a little bit. And I, I think tackling for the defense as a whole was an overall concern opening up the game. But yeah, they got a little bit better, especially like the perimeter tackling was outstanding. Uh, outstanding. Who am I? What am I? Outstanding. I like it. It was outstanding. And the reason, like, I look at a guy like Paul Sadiba who had an incredible game, incredible game, had like a 6.3 passer rating when targeted, 25% forcing completion percentage, had the interception in the end zone or near the end zone, all that. But I'm not here to talk about what I liked. Sorry, I'm here to talk about what concerned me. And for me, it was pass rush. And this has been a consistent concern. Now, the New Orleans Saints did get two sacks in this game, but they had 23 total pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, I'm talking about raw numbers, not grades. And so I love that they got after Gardner Minshew so much and that they didn't make his life hard when they got to him. But there were still a lot of those same things that we saw against Trevor Lawrence, those escape routes. And so we saw a lot of almost sacks. And we saw a lot of Gardner Minshew being able to extend plays and be able to take advantage of that. You think about the last touchdown that Indianapolis scored that started to make the game a little bit more interesting. Um, that was, was one to where he escaped, got out to the right sideline, had pressure bearing down on him, gunned to pass out uh, to the back of the end zone. And I think what happened was that like Lonnie Johnson Jr. made a diving play for the ball. He wasn't able to, to finish that play. Jordan Howden, this was like right after that drive where you had like the holding penalty and the pass interference, or not right after, but like, you know, you had seen sort of all of the, the penalties and things like that they're already being called. It looked like at one point that uh, the Saints defenders were so used to being called for, for defensive pass interference penalties that a play had happened and like two or three of them turned to the officials and were like waving their hands like, no, 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 no. And then they threw the flag. And so like they, they knew it was coming, you know? And so I worry that Jordan Howden is a young guy who made some really good plays and it had some plays where he was just kind of a step off or a half step behind or a half step, whatever. Um, he, on that one, ended up pulling up because he didn't want to get called for a penalty in the end zone. And then unfortunately, that sacrifice of, hey, I don't want to advance this team. I don't want to cost my team and have them advance all the way to the one yard line. Uh, 
ended up actually costing a touchdown instead. But that play, he doesn't have to make that decision if the pass rush gets home, right? So that's kind of the the ripple effect or or, or, or the, the build a touchdown effect, if you will. Um, 16 total hurries in this game for the team, uh, led by Cam Jordan, who had himself a game. Uh, six total hurries in the game. Has to split a sack, though, with Carl Granderson. Sorry, buddy. Uh, also had five hits and then the two sacks. And the two sacks, you had Nathan Shepard, and then you had the split sack between Cam Jordan and uh, and Carl Granderson, which Pro Football Focus is crediting crediting only to Carl Granderson. So I I hope that that they credit as the NFL. No, no, they took the sack away from Cam. He is going to be mad about that. So anyway, you you see a lot of you've seen a lot of this here recently, to where you know you've got. The team, or you've got the the offensive, the quarterback for the opposing offense escaping. Uh, Gardner Minshew had three rushes in this game, or only had three rushing yards in this game on one attempt. But it wasn't necessarily that he was scrambling and 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 picking up yardage with his legs like like Trevor Lawrence was last week. It was more like he was extending plays and then finding open receivers because I think they're playing a little bit of zone, kind of had some soft spots and things like that. And you know, guys like Josh Downs, who I continuously called on Monroe St. Brown last week. Sorry, he's literally playing. I'm going St. Brown's literally playing as I'm recording this. Uh, but Josh Downs and Michael Pittman, who can find those open pockets in the zones, they're really smart players. Um, that created a lot of trouble when the sack was almost there and then all of a sudden it wasn't. There was one that Gardner Minshew escaped and I have no idea how he escaped it. But I think the bottom line for me is that like this growing trend that we have seen kind of year after year after year of not being able to finish plays at the quarterback for the pass rush, not just the defensive line. I think I said defensive line earlier, but it really is whoever's rushing the passer. That could be a safety, that could be a linebacker, that could be a defensive lineman, that could be interior, you know, outside, doesn't matter. It's just that the 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 struggles that they have had to finish plays at the quarterback have have come back to bite them in the butt a little bit. And we've heard the players talk about this, like like they've talked about it all that. I'm not saying anything that's revolutionary here, but just something maybe to call attention to numbers wise, that when you get 23 pressures, you get 16 hurries. You'd like to see a few more hits. You'd like to see a few more sacks, one or two more sacks even. And I'm sure the New Orleans Saints would agree with that. They, they feel that they should probably have had five, six, seven sacks in this game. And I don't blame them for feeling that way. Like they, they're going to go back or, or probably are, have already gone back and watched that tape and gone, okay, we should have had X number of sacks. And, and that's their mentality. Like that's the 1% better every day mentality that Cam pushes and teaches and, and all these other things. So I have a lot of respect for that. And so that's why I highlight it. I think that that is something that was concerning and has been concerning probably for the past couple of weeks uh, that you'd like to see the New Orleans Saints be able to turn over. Because just imagine, just imagine all of those plays, let's say three, four plays where Gardner Minshew is able to extend the play and complete to a receiver, turn two of those into sacks. And you're probably forced to punt or two in those two scenarios. And you, you might have ended drives and you certainly would have ended drives that scored touchdowns in that case. And so you, you keep points off the board by making those plays. And, and, and you love to see the Saints defense, pass rushers, defensive line, whomever make those plays moving forward. So that was my thing that concerned me. Now we'll see what it looks like going up against um, Tyson Bajan and the uh, secret Bajan man and the uh, Chicago Bears next week. So again, uh, this format, little new, but gives me an opportunity to be able to do a second show with you on Mondays. If you like it, let me know. You want some adjustments to it? Let me know what your ideas are. It's a new format, something I haven't tried before, so would love some feedback on it. I appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Make sure you come back tomorrow morning, another show, uh, early afternoon, late morning, 
uh, to where we're going to be looking at uh, some of the film takeaways, some more of the film takeaways, including how good Derek Carr was, because I do need to highlight that. And I want to highlight that just how good Derek Carr was, as well as some of the nice takeaways from his presser. And we're going to look at A.T. Perry's debut as well. Wasn't asked to do a lot, but how did he fare in the role that he had? We'll break all of that down. Thank you so much for making Lots and Safe a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.